hard to believe, isn't it? We're already on the third Sunday of Advent. Very soon, the big day will arrive. And to help us as we focus towards that, some of our young people are going to lead us in lighting our third and very special Advent candle. I am John the Baptist, and the Lord has sent me to tell you, turn back to God and be baptised, then your sins will be forgiven. I am just baptising with water, but someone more powerful is going to come, and I am not good enough even to untie his sandals. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I bring water the symbol of baptism to show that our sins are forgiven. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And now let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray together. Lord of eternity, who comes among us in the person of Jesus, we rejoice in the hope of this Advent season. This morning, as we gather in Christ's name to offer our worship and praise, to learn and to discover, we are glad to be here. As the seasonal celebrations get underway, as garlands and lights festoon homes and streets, as parties and music delight our senses, we pause to centre ourselves afresh on you, the source of our being, the sustainer of our living, the reason for our celebrating. As the seasonal tensions mount once more, as tempers can become frayed and patience wear thin, as stress levels can rise and deadlines loom unbelievably large, we pause to centre ourselves once more on you forgiver of our failing, the renewer of our loving, the reason for our continuing. As the seasonal excitement nears its climax, as we dare to imagine the perfect Christmas, as we marvel afresh at the mystery and miracle of incarnation, we pause in the calm stillness of your love. Source of salvation. Hope of the nations. Light of the world. In this time of worship, and in the days ahead, may the hope of Advent fill our hearts the joy of the Lord overflow in our living. For in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The first reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 12, verses 1 to 6. A day is coming when people will sing, I praise you, Lord. You were angry with me, but now you comfort me and are angry no longer. 
God is my saviour, I will trust him and not be afraid. The Lord gives me power and strength. He is my saviour. As fresh water brings joy to the thirsty, so God's people rejoice when he saves them. A day is coming when people will sing, give thanks to the Lord, call for him to help you, tell all the nations what he has done, tell them how great he is, sing to the Lord because of the great things he has done. Let the whole world hear the news. Let everyone who lives in Zion shout and sing. Israel's holy God is great, and he lives among his people. Our second reading is from Philippians chapter 4 verses 4 to 9. Sorry, I should have said the page, page 250 in the Pew Bible. May you always be joyful in your union with the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Show a gentle attitude towards everyone. The Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything, but in all your prayers, Ask God for what you need, always asking him with a thankful heart. And God's peace, which is far beyond human understanding, will keep your hearts and minds safe in union with Christ Jesus. In conclusion, my brothers and sisters, fill your minds with those things that are good and that deserve praise. Things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and honorable. Put into practice what you learnt and received from me, both from my words and from my actions. And the God who gives us peace will be with you. I was thinking about the, the way the sermons have unfolded this Advent over the last couple of days. And it seems to me that the first week we were looking at the world around us and thinking, you know, it's not an easy place, there's lots of chaos. But we were looking for signs of hope of God's activity. And last week we were kind of thinking about clearing out clutter in our own lives, in our own hearts, and our own minds. And I think today is about what we put in. Instead, what we bring in as we prepare ourselves to celebrate Christmas, the coming of Jesus Christ. don't know whether that will work for you, but that's kind of how it feels for me. I wonder how you're feeling this morning. Maybe you are full of life and energy and you're really excited about what's happening and you're really, really, really looking forward to Christmas. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're tired and you find it hard work just getting out of bed and dragging yourself along to church this morning. Maybe you're stressed or worried or sad or afraid or lonely. 
But however it is that we feel, and whatever our life is like, here we are at the third Sunday of Advent with its Latin title of Gaudete Sunday, and the command that we rejoice. You will rejoice this Sunday. You will enjoy yourselves. And maybe that feels just a wee bit daunting. I think the Good News translation of Philippians actually loses some things. It's a good translation and it gives us lots of good bits. But it says, has Paul saying to the church in Philippi, may you always be joyful. And actually that isn't quite what the Greek says. The Greek says, be joyful. It's an imperative. It's a command that must be heard and be obeyed. Always rejoice in the Lord. And just in case you didn't hear him, he says it again. Rejoice. There's no mention about how we might be feeling or how life might be for the people to whom he was writing. He just says to them, rejoice. That joy in the Lord is a characteristic that should be evident in their life always. And that can seem like a very tall order at times. I think perhaps because we don't really understand what the word joy means. I think sometimes we confuse joy with happiness. Happiness is a feeling and it's quite fleeting actually. It can come and go very quickly and it's, you know, it depends on how life's going if we feel happy. But joy is actually something we can know even when life is difficult. And I think joy is different as well from contentedness. Contentedness is about kind of being comfortable with how things are going. But joy is there with us even in the darkest of moments. The dictionary may well beg to differ, and certainly <coughs> my dictionaries do, and my thesaurus did as well. But actually, the Bible tells us that there is something deeply spiritual about joy that may not be present in happiness or even in contentment. I've been preaching now for hmm, 10 or 12 years, something like that. And twice in that time, I've led interactive services exploring the fruit of the Spirit described in Galatians chapter 5. And within that, one of the elements is joy. And on each occasion, I asked the congregation to tell me what they thought joy was. And there were two very different congregations. And there were two answers from two very different people that had stayed with me because I think they were on to something about what joy is. The first time I did it, there was a little girl in the congregation who was about five. And so I asked the question, what do we mean by joy? And she was a very pink little girl. I'm not really a pink girl. I've just got pink on today because what Sunday is. But she was wearing pink and she put her hand up and she bounced up and down on the spot. It's something that makes you jump for joy, she said. You can't stop jumping because it bursts up from inside you. The second time was about five years later. 
and it was a woman in her 50s who answered the question. And she said, it's about being able to be glad for somebody else, even when you feel sad yourself. You need to know the context out of which she was speaking. That very week, she had been present at the birth of her granddaughter, who was born three months prematurely and who died after four hours. A couple of days later, in the same congregation, one of our young couples had given birth to their first child, a healthy baby girl, and they brought her along to church. It was joy that enabled this woman to go up to the couple with the baby and genuinely say, I'm really glad that your baby has arrived, even though inside she was profoundly sad. There is something, isn't there, in what the Apostle says elsewhere about rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. Two very different definitions of joy, two very different people and two very different circumstances. And yet, I can't help feeling that each one of them captured something of this characteristic which is evidence of God's Holy Spirit at work within us. Joy is a sign that God is within us. The little girl knew there was something about joy that you just can't squash down completely, no matter what happens. We're not all like her. She was a very extrovert and demonstrative little girl. Some of us are much more reserved, much more self-contained and self-controlled, much more reflective. And yet, if we're honest, we know that this joy is something that bubbles up within us, unbidden. You can't make it, you can't manufacture it. It is just somehow within you. A gift of God at work in us that doesn't matter how we're feeling and it doesn't have that here today and gone tomorrow of happiness. It can't be destroyed by a cruel word or a thoughtless action. Actually, joy is surprisingly tough and surprisingly resilient. And the woman who was bowed down with grief and had lots of questions going on in her mind and a fair bit of doubt about whether God loved her at that moment. But actually, she had some joy that enabled her to celebrate with somebody else. There was something, I think, truly authentic in how she held together these emotions that were very raw and painful and the delight in somebody else's new baby. We need to realise that joy is not about putting a brave face on it to hide how we're really feeling. Nothing of the kind. It's actually something deep within us, something spiritual that shines through despite the reality. Life can be pretty rotten and there are people here for whom life has been decidedly rotten this year. And yet you're still here. And there is something within you that still says, you know, I'm hanging on there because there's more to this than how I'm feeling today. 
the people at Philippi were told they should be joyful in their union with the Lord. Another reminder that the origin of joy is in God. Specifically, God revealed to us in Jesus and living in us as the Holy Spirit. Being joyful, having the joy of the Lord, is something that shapes who we are. And it seems to me that that passage takes us on to look at some characteristics of joyful people. The command to be joyful, to be people who are joyful, affects the whole of our lives. So here are my thoughts based on what St Paul says. Joyful people are gentle people. Being joyful affects our attitudes to ourselves and to other people. And it seems to me it is something that goes at a lot of different levels. Firstly, we do need to be gentle with ourselves. It is so easy, and I think especially for devout Christians, to be hard on ourselves. We do struggle. We do get things wrong. And yes, sometimes we do need to apologise or make amends for what we said or done. But one of the dangers is we keep beating ourselves up about how bad we are, how far we're not as good as whoever it is. But we need to learn and move on. Be gentle, people. Joy allows us to be gentle with ourselves and gentle with each other. We need to bear with each other's foibles. I've got plenty of foibles and I'm sure you have. We need to make allowances for each other, to be kind and forgiving. We're all learning. None of us have got it all sorted out. So we need encouragement and help. And I think part of the wonder of joy, as seen in gentleness, is it's actually contagious. In the same way that negativity and criticism destroy, gentleness and joy build up. If we're gentle with ourselves and gentle with each other, it kind of bubbles up out of us and reaches out to other people beyond who see something that is attractive. So joyful people are gentle people. Joyful people are, and I'm choosing my words carefully, less anxious people. Being joyful affects the way we respond to life's events and problems. There are still going to be struggles in our life. God doesn't promise us a life of luxury and ease, but God promises to be with us in the struggle. The people at Philippi were told not to worry. Do not be anxious about anything. Now again, I think this is where personality comes in, because to say to me, don't worry, doesn't work. I'm one of these people who worries about things, and there will be other people here who are natural worriers, easily anxious about the slightest thing. Have I got my sermon right? Is the things in the right place? Have I done my jobs? Have I got this? Da, 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 da. Some people go over and over in their heads conversations that they've had Oh, I wish I'd said this, or I wish I hadn't said that. And there are other people who spend ages preparing for the conversations, thinking, oh, I'll just say this, and if they say that, then... And it says to us, don't do that. Don't be anxious. And of course, there are other people who just never seem to worry about anything. They just go quite happily through life, and, 
And nothing seems to faze them at all, and sometimes I can be a bit envious of them. And the apostle says to the people, don't be anxious about anything. When I was first in the East Midlands, we had a regional minister who I consider to have been a very wise man. He was a trained mediator and facilitator. And as part of his mediation, he'd been taught about the non-anxious presence, the person who is totally calm in the midst of all of it. And he said, actually, do you know what? I think in churches, it's about being a less anxious presence. We don't always arrive. We can't quite do it, some of us. But actually, we can be less anxious because one of the aspects of this joy reduces our anxiety levels. It's not about not caring. Absolutely, we do care and we must care. But it helps us to keep a proper perspective on things. These anxieties won't overwhelm us because we have the spiritual strength of this joy to keep on keeping on and to do more than merely survive. Maybe people like me who are a bit given to worrying need the people who are gentle to come and remind me that I shouldn't worry so much. I don't know. But joyful people are gentle and less anxious. Joyful people are also prayerful people. The people at Philippi are told to bring to God their prayers for their needs and to do so with thankful hearts. I can remember a vicar friend of mine telling me a story that she was going to use with some children to think about prayer. So I'm going to tell you the story because we're all children at heart. One day, God sent two angels to earth with big gut baskets to collect up the prayers of the people. And during the day, the angels went to and fro, collecting up all the prayers, and they went back in the evening. And the first one struggled under the weight of this great big basket and had to have some help to tip out in front of God all the requests that had been received that day. And the second one's basket was so light that it almost sort of fell out of their hands as they carried it up. And they flipped it out. And inside there were just a small handful of thank you prayers. I think there are two extreme approaches to prayer, both as individuals and as communities. There are people who have no difficulty at all in asking God for all sorts of things and expecting God to give them. People who can list off everything they want from God. I, I, I just remember being, it wasn't at my church, I hasten to add, another church, and somebody was praying for a George Foreman friar because they were doing a youth club and they thought it was more healthy to have the George Foreman friar than to do them under the grill. And I just remember sitting there thinking, what is going on here? And there are other people who are so scared of that kind of thing that we never ask God for anything because wouldn't it rather greedy? One of the things I believe about having this joy is it helps us to pray intelligently 
and honestly and faithfully and gratefully. We do need things. They may not be material things. They may be strengths of character. They may be courage. I don't know what it is. Things that we need. And it's right that we go and ask God for what we need. The Bible tells us to do that. But we need to be grateful in how we pray. We should feel confident in bringing to God the needs of the world, the church, the community, the people we love. We also need to be able to accept that sometimes what God wants to give us and how God answers isn't what we think God ought to give us or how God ought to answer. I never found out if they got their George Foreman frying machine. But it would have been interesting to go back and say, well, you know, did God give you that thing that you particularly asked? Or did actually God give you some intelligence about how you cooked your burgers? I don't know. We should approach God humbly and faithfully and gratefully because God has promised to hear and answer prayers that are consistent with God's will. Joyful people are prayerful people. Joyful people are also peaceable people. In that reading, we are promised that people will be given the peace of the Lord, the peace that in old-fashioned language passeth human understanding, but I can't say passeth properly. So, that amazing love. And we know it when we experience it. We can't quite describe it, but there is this sense of peace. And I can tell from the look on people's faces that there are a number of people who have experienced that, that sense of God's peace amidst everything. I can remember when I was told at my last church they couldn't afford to pay me anymore and I would have to look for a new post. And after I kind of got over the overwrite, there was a sense that it would be okay. I didn't know how it would be okay, but, you know, there was a sense of peace about it. And there is, I'm here, so, you know, you're stuck with me now. It's not this kind of wishful thinking that everything is going to come out right and every I will be dotted and T crossed the way we want it. Rather, it's a sense of assurance that no matter how it does work out, God's there with us. God will strengthen us and sustain us. And then it goes on, we don't have time, but in this passage it talks about all things that are beautiful, all things that are good, all things that are lovely. These are the things that we should be working towards. This joy of God makes us ever more beautiful, ever more lovely. We are gentle, less anxious, prayerful, peaceable people with this joy that can never be overcome. And that really, I think, is what today is about. In amidst all this busyness, all the hustle and bustle, all the pressures, just to have a moment to enjoy, in the more general meaning of the word, that promise of God we have this joy within us to help us through, to sustain us, encourage us and build us up. 
I really hope that you do all have a happy Christmas, wherever it is and whatever you're doing. But what I pray is that we'll all have a joyful one. Let's join all our prayers and our thoughts together in the words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. And shall we bless each other in the words of the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, evermore. Amen.